0: Good morning, vendors and non vendors alike, and welcome to the Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nickelodeon's Legend of Korra series. This week, Attack of the Red Lotus, Forehead Pebble Throwing Action, Beifong Cirque du Soleil, and one of our hosts doesn't even have a backstory because cops don't have backstories. Who knew change meant digital distribution? Maybe one of your hosts, Matt, Dave, Avindra, and Joanna.
1: Hello and welcome to Republic City Dispatch. I'm Matt Patches and here as always, we're, we're back, we're unified as the, we're not the White Lotus, we're not the Red Lotus team, we're some other quartet. We're like- Puce! Puce Lotus. No, that, no wait, wait, no, Blue? that sounds gross.
0: Uh, indigo. indigo. Indigo Lotus. Lotus. Okay.
1: That's, we're claiming that title. Who am I with? I'm here with uh, Dave with a seven who's already talking about racy content.
0: Hello, I'm so happy to be back.
1: Yes, back from your airbending training. Uh, we have Davindra Hardwar. Hey guys. And we have Joanna Robinson. Hello. And and so we are teaming up. We're putting our power rings together. They don't have power rings in. Sora. They should. That'll come. <laughs> we're
2: before. putting our bending powers together yes. for a massive fight, which did is they, awesome.
1: Did they ever do that? They never like just shoot each other's powers into each other and create some sort of They need storm. to.
2: Well, as come as in. I did, guys, we're gonna see more Dragon Ball Z stuff, right? Right? And that's gonna happen. We're gonna see like this crazy you guys ever see those Dragon Ball Z episodes where they like combine the
0: Kamehamehas. Well, I mean, like I would rather I expect have that it, I would rather have it be that than it end up being some sort of weird Harry Potter light, <laughs> like let's push the ball of light closer to the guy that's losing that's I'm, yeah, not yeah. That. so by the would, time, uh, by the time people fight.
1: combine powers in a Dragon Ball Z season, I'm like delirious, <laughs> I'm passed out, I'm just I'm so exhausted so by whatever I've been watching. <laughs> I've never gotten well, the to end that of, point
3: the end of this fight this fight ended in. Like the main fight ended with Zahir creating a cloud, like a whirlwind out of the like lava steam. So that was water plus lava plus air. Mm-hmm.
2: Is it was what it ended was
3: that fight. This great. is role it's playing
2: game like <laughs>
1: yeah. combinations. Now. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Uh, we're, we may be getting ahead of ourselves, Dave. What
0: happened yeah. in this episode? The terror within. Well, Opal leaves to train at the Northern Air Temple, and the night that she leaves, the Red Lotus attack the supposed safest city in the world and almost get away with Korra, if not for some excellent teamwork between all the siblings on site. Um, In trying to discover how the city was infiltrated Mako sort of detectives that Ai Wei was setting up an innocent guard so they confront him at his house but he escapes and blows the whole thing up and Korra gets all pissed and decides it's more important to face Sahir than keep tracking down the airbenders and Suyin sort of helps that along with a quick lie and uh, we're on our way on a chase. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay yes it, a, an abrupt ending to that summary with an abrupt ending to this episode it's very. it
0: funny. was a really abrupt ending i felt only having one episode this week uh more so it's like a fan I mean, limb like you're expecting i
1: thought they were to gonna i thought they,
3: sorry yeah i thought they were gonna end with that explosion i thought it was gonna be a cliffhanger cliffhanger, cliffhanger. i guess they don't do that on quora <laughs> but i thought it was gonna be like iway's house blows up what happened to its occupants? We'll find out next week. They do not <laughs> let no. us
1: hang that way. They like, that would have been a great ending. They like kicking yeah. the ball in at least one direction or something.
0: Well, um, I mean, they did do that in book two. It wasn't like excellent because what Cora got eaten by that giant sea spirit, and everyone right. was like, well, Cora not dead, but everybody had to be like, well, why didn't we? Is she? <laughs> yeah, not even was- bold. The answer was amnesia, which is always the worst answer. Oh, like a one-episode stint of amnesia, nonetheless. Not
1: even a full episode, I don't think. I think Brady Bunch had longer amnesia arcs than The Legend of Korra. Oh! <laughs> um, dis. Uh, before we get too far into this episode, I just wanted to uh, take a moment and say thank you to everyone who has been um, reblogging the episodes and adding commentary or leaving comments on our episodes on our, on our show pages on republiccitydispatch.com commentary has been great, uh, it's been insightful, it's, it's raised questions, it's started conversations here on the show, and it's been amazing. So each episode has its own page and its own comment section. We would highly recommend either jumping in there or reblogging and, and keeping the conversation going. And I should also add that um, iTunes reviews have been excellent as well, um, both uh, just with praise, very kind praise, and with uh, real criticisms and uh, real, uh, just helping us evolve the show, keep the show growing in with a new audience. Um, so we always appreciate people subscribing on iTunes and leaving comments there. Again, just helps people find the show. Um, now let's talk about The Terror Within. This episode kind of uh, rocked my world because I thought it was Ooh. over halfway through there's so much mm-hmm. that goes down in the beginning and i'm like yeah. there's a whole half an episode left there's a, like <laughs> now we're going to have a noir mystery plot it's murder she wrote now i really love this show
2: um <laughs> finally <laughs> there's a for mystery context, to solve yeah where's yeah, jessica fletcher bending murder, she wrote.
1: Um, i thought it was
3: law and order criminal intent it's Whoa. a little more
1: than that it's it's a little too dangerous for a murder she wrote episode despite <laughs> someone getting murdered in every murder she wrote episode what what did you guys think of this uh did this action i, I feel like DeVendra, i was thinking about you I, um maybe you were ready for Zaheer to kind of inject himself into Korra's life you were ready for this season to get busy
2: I was totally ready for this (laughs) I mean when we started watching Korra guys when we started this podcast I was all over metal bending and like how it's being used in this world and like clearly it is the thing that just continues to grow and be more interesting so we see the evolution of that um, like Korra finally using her metal bending powers but also it's used to such great effect right all over the place and this is just this was a great sequence just in terms of like knowing the skills everybody has, coordinating, like, different action beats all at the same time. It felt like, you know, a big-budget action movie, you know, condensed into five or ten minutes. It was fantastic. So, we don't see enough of this stuff on TV, for sure. It's interesting how
1: forward-thinking introducing the idea of metal bending in Avatar The Last Airbender really was. Or if, I mean, I, I don't think I've read this from Brian or Mike, but... Korra seems to be – the world of Legend of Korra seems to be born out of the idea of metal bending, right? Or, or oh, yeah. these next level yeah. powers because you have a metal world. Of, like you have a Varric who is kind of introducing technology into this very spiritual, uh, organic, ethereal world. Um, but also a place like Republic City is just covered in metal. It has giant buildings. You can be swinging from them. You can do all sorts of things. The world has mm-hmm. metal to be bent. Now, Um but and yet the they introduced it in Avatar The Last Airbender, where it was less prevalent. I guess they were still driving around in tanks and stuff in Avatar The Last Airbender. But it just seems like born
2: from that. And uh, mm-hmm. and the powers are being used to an amazing yeah. degree. I- they introduced the idea of industrialism in the first season. I think it's interesting to see how much that's growing. And also what we were talking about last episode too, magnets. I want to see metal bending and magnets. And I want to <laughs> see like a crazy conflict between those because that's going to be that's, – that, that's it, right? Is you know, the, the way to counteract metal is magnets. This seems That'll to be like it's going to be
1: important because of the way Varric yeah. has been talking about it. But I really don't know how – I don't know how that's going to swing back in well, it could
2: give Asami a role finally, right? Because she's just kind of sitting Taking in this territory, yeah, you know, <laughs> sitting around with her power gloves. So give her metal gloves.
3: The thing I liked very much about this huge fight that we had, which was great, and and for the first time really unlocked. Well, especially because Korra was out of commission, right? Mm-hmm. So we get to see like all these other people really have their turn at fighting i mean they always do but more so and then i am sure you guys have done this before but this is the first time i sort of stepped back and thought about the writers in a room trying to coordinate these fights
0: yes because it's not just like
3: punch kick block whatever it's like okay this you know water bending meets fire bending here or this meets that there and and how what how that impacts that or you know so hero goes up with his glider, so Suyin has these darts that she throws through his glider. Like, all that sort of, like, mm-hmm. calculating all the different abilities. And then it was also great that our heroes were, for the most part, in their PJs. That was really enjoyable for me. Um, <laughs> it was really adorable. <laughs> and then the one thing I want to point out is everyone was fighting except for the sullen artist son. Suyin's artist son yeah. was nowhere to be seen. And I want to know You're what he was doing. He was still doing.
2: sleeping. He, I don't know. He was absorbing the scenario for its drama content. <laughs> I don't know. Did for you guys, by next- the way, did you guys get a Attack of the Clones vibe from this whole sequence? Because I was like, oh, this is just like I never when they get tried to. Uh, the <laughs> <of> <laughs> the it's totally, it's totally like them trying to assassinate Padme in the bedroom. My one question, I love the moment where Bolin is like, uh, guys, like something's going on. Um, they take time to get walk outside. Like they go around. Walk outside, open the door. When uh, I'm surprised they didn't just do the like, oh, uh, leap through uh, the window. Yeah, the leap through the window. Come on, just let's go. <laughs> they're courteous. The That's always
1: rude <laughs> when people do that. They're not thinking about like cleaning it up
2: later because they're not the window people. <laughs> Mako could have had his Obi Wan moment, basically, which is, oh. yeah, I, I really have so much fun with the action in episode two uh and that's one of those moments it's like this episode a lot uh, throughout all of it um spoke a lot through action and i think attack of the clones doesn't get enough credit for that <laughs> it doesn't that's get funny a, I, doesn't get a lot of made, for anything.
3: Yeah. for anything yeah yeah i made a note yeah. that like mako leaps into action because like you know bolin mako least... <laughs>
2: walks through the door <laughs> <laughs>
0: well,
3: bolin was at least kind of awake but like yeah, Maka yeah, yeah. Was dead asleep and bolin's like they got cora mako was up and out the door um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was such a good Mako episode. He
1: probably trips. dreams of this, mm-hmm. don't you think? That's why he's so easily <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> jumping into battle because Mako's dreaming of like being the star of his own show. Well,
0: there's That's finally fair. there's finally something for him to do. Uh, like yeah. he's sort of been tagging along on this trip and like he's had useful bits of information, but he's always at <laughs> someone else has been dictating what he's actually doing. And so it's nice where it's like, oh, something there's a mystery. Detective Mako's on the case. <laughs> right, he's the smartest one on the show this episode. It, in the
1: fight, for one part, and then in the second half when he is like not buying
2: the BS of, yeah. uh, uh, of, of the lie bender. Yeah. Uh, I love how they redid name. that plot from last season and then they actually acknowledged that they were just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he calls out Iway.
3: Yeah, but it's like, surprising. Mm-hmm. I guess I've seen this before that Lynn is not the best... Like she's a better general, it seems, than she is a detective, um, right. which we've seen in previous seasons. But you know, she sure. didn't. Maybe she's just so caught up in her sister stuff that she just didn't. You know, Mako sees the BS and Lynn, and just goes sailing right over her head.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's well, she didn't cop. want to be a cop, as we learned, right? She didn't always want right. to be a cop. I want to know what?
0: The, what else did she want to do in life? Liz. She, she want to be just a ballet dancer, to
3: sing. <laughs> well, yeah. It seems she like an interesting to
0: way to sort of like. I wasn't here for last week's episode, but I mean, Top's going to come back and teach Bolin how to metal bend, right? And then all this is is going to come to a head because they seem to be really hitting that that like Bolin is like really into the idea of Top and really into this idea of like metal bending so he could like Mm -hmm. get Opal to be close to him. And it seems like if you need like an old master to come in and do a thing because I mean, it seems like that we're building if this is how confrontations between our villains and a few of our heroes is going to go. I don't see why you can't just pile on, you know, everybody. These guys have already beat Zuko and Tonrock and now they just beat they basically beat our team. If not for, you know, some that the uh, Beifongs just knowing the structure of the city better than anybody else because they built it. So it's like, I can't, I can't wait. Zuko will fly all this to... in on a dragon. Well, see, that's the other thing I, w- I wanted to <laughs> talk want about. Uh, well, I wanted to go go back a little bit to what uh, Devinder and Joanna were talking about, which is like the fight had for me this really great... Um, like sense of geography and the only time it really Mm -hmm. loses the only time it really loses it there's there's a wire hole where here flies off and has a little side fight with two white lotus guys and he's over there he's over there in like a mako and bulin's blind spot for a little too long but like that is such a small (laughs) nitpick right they cut back (laughs) to him and he's still like
1: doing backflips away from these two metal benders it's like how long have you been (laughs) backflipping? get this man on the u.s olympic team
2: uh, yeah. Pro tip for ro- for role playing games kids, stay with the court team when you're fighting. Oh, yeah, Otherwise it makes yeah, you hate running yeah, don't, at GM just, do
0: crazy things. Don't don't split the party. <laughs> well, that's love, that's smart.
3: Yeah, and I love how here's reaction to me seemed to be like, uh, leave you three alone for like five seconds to do my awesome backflips and they come and get the avatar. Like he's just like, Oh, I have to do
2: everything, you guys. guys,
0: come on. Come on, keep it together. Yeah, I think it was a really quickly. Go ahead. Oh I think it was a really great way to sort of uh, like I used to listen to the Bungie podcasts while they were programming the Halo Oh yeah. Games and they would talk about yeah, not know like that was how to balance and count Oh yeah, back in the day. I mean now they probably don't cuz it's not even them doing the Halo games anymore. But they used to do podcasts with the developers and they would talk about making encounters and sort of like balance seeing which creatures are there and which powers and which times the AI was going to interact with the itself. And I was like, here is an encounter where I would have loved to be in the writer's room where it's just <laughs> like, basically you have character sheets and you're like, how could I make the best sequence out of this and then yeah. still keep place and uh, suspense? And I think it pulled it off really well. well I think it's, it was like,
2: fun just how quickly that whole sequence escalated,
0: right? Yeah. Because
2: they, they start the kidnapping. They're like, oh, now we get a fight. Oh, now we're in a lava pit. It's, like, kind of crazy.
3: And I wanted to speak to, I think Patches, weren't you... Didn't you think initially that the earthbender on their team was a firebender when he did his prison breakout?
1: Right, I got in a lot of trouble for that.
3: And that's because... No, no, no. Well, I wasn't trying to bring that up, but like, are you shaming me right we now? we haven't seen a yes, yes. <laughs> I am doing that. I hope that's that being accomplished. I feel great. Shame. We haven't seen a lot of lava bending. Like Bolin talks about it, like it's an extraordinary thing. Like metal bending is yeah. that? Yeah, correct? he
1: gasps. He gasps. Okay. He's like,
2: Ooh. yeah, yeah. That is Although,
3: terrible for us.
2: Yeah, they were aware of combustion bending being a thing, so maybe there, there. I guess there are more of those people out there now too. So we're seeing. I guess the entire concepts all these concepts look like we're seeing subclasses of bending popping up more and more which is why i hope uh when we see Toph, she just kind of uh floats down from the sky magneto styles like hey guys magnet bending come on <laughs> i can do this whoa oh Special man achieved higher yeah I, I that did, would be awesome
1: i i wanted to um speak to what Dave and Joanna were talking about here about just like the writing of an action scene uh, or directing it as part of a unified vision for this season. I get all, I really get frustrated in action movies when I can, you you can get a sense of when a director and a writer are working together to compose a great action sequence. And when somebody handed this set piece off to like a third party uh, pre visualization team And this is very common in Hollywood. I don't know if a lot of people know that, that, you know, they they hand them off to these Mm -hmm. special effects guys who, like, we know how to make a big fight in the air, or like a big space battle, or a big throwdown in a city. Like, this is rudimentary visual effects, and don't worry, we can handle it. And it's kind of, like, put through, uh, just like, it's like a factory making action scenes for big movies at this point, because... Either directors right, right. don't have a sense of that, and they're busy, or they're busy doing other stuff. Um, I, they don't feel giant blockbusters don't have the stamp of directors as often as we'd like. And I think that mm-hmm. Korra, from the beginning, from the from season one, uh, has always tried to tie its action into story and into, or when it's just having fun with the bending, is very strategic about each move and each encounter and and it has to be right animation demands that each shot is selected and for and we know exactly how long that shot is going to go and there's not a lot of spontaneity you can't have just a shaky cam fight where two guys do a choreographed (laughs) dance and you shoot the (laughs) hell out of it and you just cut to lots of different angles it doesn't
0: work that way in animation or maybe i'm wrong dave Mm -hmm. maybe i'm crazy (laughs) <laughs> no, you're correct. And then the uh, the other thing that's cool about the way Cora is doing these animations is I think they're still using actual martial arts references for all the different bending styles. So yeah, yeah. they're actually taking forms that pre-exist and attaching those forms to moves. And so then that's even more pieces. And so it really is sort of if you could put yourself in the situation where your characters are fighting, uh, the core has so much world-building history that they could sort of tell you where to go and it's just in a position of finding the coolest way for something to happen you know, having Bolin uh, throw a pebble to hit Combustion Girl is, you know, a sweet way of making a Bolin character moment out of what could have been just like this huge combo bending move, so it's it's yeah, it's a, there's a lot of storytelling in it, but definitely you're right, Patches, in the sense that mm-hmm. it requires a lot of planning um, beyond something like an animatic, uh, to have all this keyframe motion and know which frames need to be blurred and all that sort of planning stuff. Oh,
1: I, I, thought I mean, of the key you is, the right? Sl- you know... The slow motion
0: didn't have a blur in that scene that yeah. you just described. Uh,
3: oh, it was
0: yeah,
1: just like yeah. this kind of weird, fluid, slow motion moment. And I thought it was very. When
3: Sparky undone. Boom Boom and her beautiful braid were in slow motion, that yeah, was great.
2: That was a really cool moment. <laughs> they did moment. say water arms. Yeah. <laughs> they did. One thing yeah, you, they I did. Want <laughs> although, wait, maybe not this episode. But anyway, um, one thing you were saying, Pat, is to, I guess to this whole thing, right, the key to good action is to know what you want to do. And we don't see that enough in movies, but also the idea that, you know, action should be telling the story, action should be driving the narrative forward, it should be telling us something about the characters. And that's something, this one sequence, I think anybody, anybody, even if you haven't been watching Korra, anybody who appreciates interesting action would be able to, like, get into the scene and see exactly what's happening and understand, you know, the kind of Powers these people have and how they kind of conflict, and that's that's just key. Well, and the other thing too is that you know good action directors can can even go bad, right? You look at Michael Bay. Michael Bay can do great action. If you look at The Rock or Bad Boys Two, or he could do lazy action where it's just robots destroying a city, like all the you know recent Transformers <laughs> movies.
1: <laughs> so well, the key is to have a good action flashbacks to Transformers Four. To, just the
0: Dark of the yeah. moon. You just, yeah. did you just call Dark of the Moon lazy. I yeah. I slap you with my glove, good sir. <laughs> the finale, the finale is fine, but that's still a lazy movie. It, you, it, I, think, I mean, most it, action movie. It's because the finale good. He, he was shooting native 3D, so it actually calmed him. I will be with you that you know, like something like <laughs> Edge of the Fallen is gone completely wrong. But Transformers: Dark of the Moon, good sir, my friend, <laughs> is is fantastic. Action filmmaking. Don't even, don't even get uh, on.
2: I this. mean, we can, we can argue how much. I think the finale of Dark of the Moon is great. <laughs> that, that, that I can agree. That's good. But, stuff. but there's, there's other <laughs> stuff. Yeah, there's yeah. two hours, three but hours of movie. <laughs> but uh,
0: anyway, I guess there are um, some well, yeah. Character thing happening, Cora. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. If you have a pivot point, please, Joanna.
3: Oh, uh, well, Just because I don't, I haven't seen the Transformers movie, so I'm being.
0: Oh my uh, God.
3: Petulant. Um, yeah. So keep it that way. <laughs> I've remained pure. Uh, but, um, yeah, the character moments that Dave was talking about, not just Bolin having his hero moment, which I really loved that. Even though it was mm-hmm. just, like, clumsily foreshadowed only, like, five minutes earlier in that fight that he was having with one of the brothers where he did the pebble throw. Um, but the the Suyin and Lin stuff, the sisters working together oh, when they're selling uh, character up, uh... stuff, I also really, really liked yeah, yeah, that
1: was great. What I love in this episode is, you know, they could have soared up and Zaheer could have followed them and uh, Sue could have thrown her knives and sent him to the ground and that would have been it. But no, he he gets close enough so that Lynn is in jeopardy and Sue has to push her out of the way and kind of recall the dance from the Metal Clan episode. And she's using mm-hmm. everything she's learned, this kind of superfluous skill to save Lynn's life and to become a great sister, especially because they do quarrel again. I mean, they quarrel in the beginning and they quarrel at the end of this episode. Um, and some things never change. And that's sisters for you, right? Uh, <laughs> but but they are closer and we learn it through an action beat. And I just, that really kind of swept over me. And sending Zaheer to the ground. I mean, it's just a fantastic constructed uh, conclusion to this big battle. And, you know, uh, Devendra, you mentioned Dragon Ball Z. Korra will never be Dragon Ball Z because it's coherent, you know, because all of this Ooh. this writing no,
2: that's that show, underneath. That show, can't, that show is totally coherent. Like that's the thing. Like until it escalated to the point where yeah, things were just blowing up everywhere. There was what I loved about that show and the original Dragon Ball. Like there's such a great parallel. Well, Dragon Ball is La- the last Airbender. That's true. And Dragon Ball. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying there's a parallel in terms of escalation and how the stories progress from Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Z and from Last Airbender to Korra. Like it's the, it, it's sort of like a much more you know it's a much more refined version of that jump. But I see a lot of parallels. For I, sure. I would. I and would Dragon Ball Z had its moments.
1: Korra is more like Cowboy Bebop for me, where it's we're, we're going to tell a story and it's going to have crazy action. Not Dragon Ball Z, which is we're going to have crazy action. And they're just going to be rambling on about nonsense for the first 15 minutes, so it seems like there's build-up.
0: Well, I mean, what you guys are talking about is sort of like this Eastern entertainment idea of escalation yeah. between new series, so, like, mm-hmm. it happens even in the Power Rangers. Every time the Power Rangers come back, they're slightly more powerful until it's ridiculous. Yeah. Wait, So, really? I think that's... I what? don't yes. watch. I have not yeah. seen any yeah. of
1: the recent... Power Rangers, but are they significantly more powerful? You didn't need, you didn't need,
0: you didn't need <laughs> to see Rangers? any of the recents. Oh. I mean, even when the dragon, the green ranger came in, he was suddenly like super powerful. Right. And, and then he had then, to like, become the white ranger.
2: To- Tommy. That was the biggest thing. Tommy. <laughs> Tommy. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Joanna did see this robot fighting Joanna, series. Did, yes, did Tommy. You, did you
1: have a crush on Tommy?
3: Um, Come on. I was really into the yellow ranger. Ah. She's a lady, but that was, she was, she was cool. my favorite. That's yeah.
1: True. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Which, Tommy I had
3: because Tommy had like a Lorenzo Lamas ponytail. He was yeah. the renegade. He was
1: the <laughs> yeah. renegade of the group. He's yeah. too. He's too macho for me. He's like. He's the kind of guy who beat me up in high school. Why would I want to watch him lead the Power Rangers? I was a Billy guy. <laughs> Blue Ranger. Oh, baby.
2: of course. Ranger. What you do you mean, a of course? Billy, you a
1: Billy guy. I like Billy and I like Donatello and I'm that kid. Okay. <laughs> I'll admit it. Um, You're the first Billy Billy person I've ever met. I'm the first Billy. <laughs> Billy, uh, I, I ran the Billy fan club as a kid, and I was my only view. Um, yeah, where what, are we what's gone? His, what's his mech? I, I, I'll keep going. I'll look this up. Uh, there's, there's no more was, to this part of the conversation. Jo- well, I was
3: going to say, I, I will pivot and say that I was I was very disappointed in so, in at the end, lying to Lynn that way and going behind her back and helping the kids, like mm. trying to be the cool mom. It felt like, but then uh rewatching i 'm like, well, Lynn did just like make her sit down in an interrogation room, so it 's not like yeah. Lynn has been a peach this whole episode, so i can I can sort of yeah. forget that, and, and of course, Sue has her motivations if she 's been betrayed by the person who is. Closest to her, it just She's seemed like. Uh, why doesn't she just stand up to Lynn and have that fight instead of agreeing with her so unctuously and then going
1: behind her back? Do, do you think I, it? I think just
2: the fastest way. Do to you make think it, it undoes right?
1: what we, what they achieved in the previous episode? I mean, does this
2: undermine? I mean, I think the they
3: will always. I think they will always have their relapses. I think that's just going to be their sister relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. But know, that's, that it feels is. more
2: realistic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and then you're also, I mean, not to get too deep on it, but it could just be like a subconscious knee-jerk reaction to, oh, my city wasn't as safe and Lynn needs to lay off. And like, I'm going to reclaim the power through my lies, which, you know. Yeah, but
3: through her lies, like that's how she does it rather than standing up to her sister. And I agree that it's the fastest way, but it's also... Kind of not it's not I don't admire her. I don't yeah. I don't think she's
0: necessarily a hero just because she's a top's daughter at this point. She has some weird ideas about the Earth the uh, queen she um, is like all of her employees are ex like villains it, it just seems like <laughs> well, just one of them just one of them right no no her cook is an ex pirate and oh, yeah. a varic... pirates is great <laughs> she believes in reformation she spent she okay. time with like a sandbender society and that just doesn't seem like that's wholesome <laughs> you don't trust her. A... I
3: don't trust her
0: yeah
2: I, I mean I hope they don't go down that route because that would seem really cheap be like I hope homeland. it's more just the realistic thing yeah, I well, don't, uh, let's let's not do that, it because be, it seems more realistic where she's just somebody who, she knows that Lin is a strong personality, and she knows, like, the way to work with somebody like that is to deflect and make them think they're in charge, sometimes, you know, to get what you want.
0: Well, yeah, I think that Lin is a blunt instrument, but I think yeah. Yin has the capability to be, like, a political metaphor player later on in the series, if... Mm-hmm. That happens. And if she does, I think even if she does become a villain, it's it'll be nuanced enough because it'll be like an Amon thing where it's like, oh, horrible childhood plus radical political beliefs. Yeah, I mean, I don't want you to die or anything. Yeah. but It's not oh that gosh. radical.
2: Radical for her is like being slightly a little <laughs> more liberal than everybody else in this world,
0: you know? I don't know. It's Do a you lot of It sounds like she wants to slap the Earth Queen in the face. And make I think everybody does, though. Stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. I have you, not. You can be
2: Avatar wants to slap Earth
1: queen. I have not had this thought yet, but now you're planting this idea that Sue mm-hmm. is in t- Red Lotus. Is oh. part of t- like Zaheer's team that she... Is this possible? Is she also bad? If, if why she, would I she weigh,
3: send
0: them after... Why would she send them after Ai Wei? To, well, to I throw maybe, them off her tracks. Maybe huh. there's a trap waiting.
3: Oh, Now, um, now that you mentioned that she stayed... The oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go
1: ahead. I was just gonna say that now that now that you mentioned that, you know, she studied with the sandbenders and like I'm having a homeland uh Theories now, or something like? Is she?
2: Wait, dude, okay? I, I think that's the wrong lesson to learn from. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> just, like, like when you go off better. and study, and you come Comparison. back,
1: and maybe yeah, I, you know what? What has she learned? Was she? She's she's not for government clearly because she's against the Earth Queen, or at least monarchical government. Uh, she, what? What's her deal? She she has shown a lot of resistance to um, sturdiness and and. Like the rigid ways of of society, and that seems to be Zahir's whole shtick, right? He's detached from the world, and mm. he's like chaotic, or he he fi- he's on a righteous path, according to his vague comments earlier in the series. I wonder, I wonder if he's in cahoots with Sue. That would be weird.
3: That'd be interesting. Mm. Um, I was gonna say the. I, I'm with you, Patrick, in that I don't trust her, but I don't know that I'm all. All the way there with you. But I, what I was yeah. going to say is when we see the four of them sneaking into the city at night, right at the beginning of the episode, I rewound, like, three times to make sure I didn't miss them, like, sidling up over the walls. Because, <laughs> like, I didn't realize that it was going to be the plot point later. How did they get into the city? I was yeah. just like, how did they get into the city? Did they blink <laughs> and miss it?
1: <laughs> yeah, just, And I didn't yeah. have
3: enough faith in myself that it would just, like, come. But I was like I, I was like, I rewatched that scene of Opal, like, going on the airship, like, three times like looking into the background to see if I could see them flipping over the walls or something like that but
0: uh, I don't know um, if I would have liked sorry. that been like what well, are those dots <laughs> over there don't worry bye Opal <laughs> <laughs> I do I did think uh, it was sad that Bolin's shining heroic moment was like the night Opal left <laughs> He's, he like, really wants to impress <laughs> this girl and he finally does something that like saves everybody and she's not even going to hear about it for months. Is <laughs>
3: that why you think he wants to learn how to metal bend? You said that earlier, but I thought it I didn't tie it immediately to his desire to I mean, impress
0: Opal. Callback back to the episode I wasn't on where Patches, I think, talked about, about feeling inadequate in front of women that you like and that um, sort of applying to Bolin sort of being mm-hmm. sh- about his metal oh. bending trick.
2: I don't I don't, I, I don't think, I don't it's think he's that, yeah.
0: learning metal
1: bending to impress Opal. Don't they they form a pact? They're like, you go and train in airbending and I'm gonna learn metal bending. We're finally gonna do it together in a way. Um, even if they're not gonna be in the same place. They're gonna push each other to go learn this stuff. So it's not I mean, I think it's caused by or provoked by the, his relationship with Opal, but it's not to impress her. It's not because of her. They're both inspiring each other. They always have
0: kale.
3: It's like you know? a- Yes. Them.
0: They don't need, they will always have they don't need bending powers. <laughs> That's just such a good, good button. No one has anything else to say after that.
3: <laughs> They'll always have
0: chaos. They'll always have chaos. <laughs> good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so interesting fact yeah. the blue richer was named Billy Cranston, who got his last name from Brian Cranston, who voiced several monsters on the show in what? early power rate. Yep.
3: I yep. did know that. There's a video of him on like some late night show where they brought up his Brian Power Rangers. Krantz's yeah, his voice Power actor Rangers. extraordinaire
2: through the '90s. Yeah. <laughs> oh, knew? No.
3: Footage. Dick so you Krantz can watch him react war. to that on like. Uh, that would
2: be yeah. awesome. By the oh, way,
3: oh so
2: I don't know when last he did voice acting, but he like. Uh, just watching a ton of anime and other things uh, throughout the 90s, like his voice was everywhere. He was like the guy who plays like Spiegel's voice in Cowboy Bebop. He just shows up all over the place. And uh, Macross Plus, if you want to see something really fun, Macross Plus four-episode series from the uh, Macross Robotech universe, fantastic. He's the lead character.
3: Does that mean that the guy who's voicing Boleyn, who is my favorite, yeah. is going to have his own like Breaking Bad type series 20 years from now? <laughs>
1: He was in Wolf of Wall of Street. He's kind of getting out there into more mainstream stuff. He needs to, a sitcom, right? It. The real track is he voices PJ Byrne will be Bolin and then he has to get a sitcom that runs for like eight years, like Malcolm in the Middle, and then he has to get his big show.
3: Oh, he was in Wolf of Wall. Street. Sorry, I'm just looking at the photo
2: right now. I, I didn't realize that he was the funniest. So he was the
1: funniest guy of, Wolf of Wall Street. He was really funny.
3: He was great in Wolf wall Street
1: yeah, yeah that's funny uh, uh. <laughs> can we can we talk a little about the second half of this uh episode how, how How does this mystery work for you like it's it's weird this is the episode where I'm like if we had an hour long show, it' all kind of flow perfectly or uh, and then I battled my mm-hmm. own thought I'm like, or does this are they just like so sharp in the writer's room that they can condense this into a perfectly flowing thirty minute episode no no fluff no fat um and could other television shows that are hour long stand to be half an hour like uh legend of korra this is, i i yeah i started falling down my own philosophical half hour versus hour long
0: i could i mean i so, think i could pick pick that i could pick that up for you a little bit um on the community panel at Con this uh weekend uh, Dan Harmon was saying that, you know, even though his show is going to Amazon and therefore technically could be any length and include cursing Yahoo. and Yahoo. Yahoo. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, uh, thank you for correcting me. But what I was going to say is he thinks it's going to stay in like the twenty minute form because that, that's the form of the stories that are just sort of take um, with his with his characters. And for Cora, it's like there are all these like little mini pods uh within a season's arc and so we've already got like our standalone episode in book 2 that was the Mako detective episode here it was the Tenzin original airbenders episode but it's like um, with the the actual detective story this one i felt like the pace was set with like just how far can we keep this interrogation scene going before the audience gets (laughs) ahead of everybody and just starts hating people like at least when Varric popped up i was like oh varick you know maybe it could have been Varric." that was was enough to like give me another three minutes of patience until mako figured it out but i feel like they really walked that line where it's like oh it's gonna be the one guy that could actually tell a lie right (laughs) <laughs> and then, yeah, it slowly, slowly worked it well, out. I like so. I think that I think they hit it, mm-hmm. hit the balance almost perfectly. I can't. I don't think it could have been longer without us disliking the characters, right?
1: No, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, you need to send them off on the wrong trail to empower Mako, right? We want him to have this realization. <laughs> he want he we want him to know that other people are wrong. Um, and and I wonder if the Lin Sue. Uh, battling or undercutting in this episode uh serves Mako more than their relationship uh you know we were talking about how Lynn demands sue take the lie detector test or how Sue undercuts her later uh telling them to go off and you know d- don't listen to old crank Lynn, just go fight Zahir, go find him. Does this all serve Mako? is this making him? more important to us when he has been kind of on the sidelines this whole time.
2: We, I, mean, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. But, it, but, it, but I, it makes me... Fair
0: enough.
3: I appreciated that they gave Mako something very legit to do in this episode. Sure. And on, yeah. on top of that, um, to, to do, you know, Pat just referred to this as a murder she wrote, to do a murder she wrote or a law and order criminal intent or whatever you want to call this mini police Plot have to have a lot of effects, right? And here we have exactly three, I'd say, which is Sue, uh, Ai Wei, and then like nameless, faceless guards that we don't know, you know? And that's just not interesting dramatically. Like, if there were a bunch, if it were in a different context where a bunch of people could have been and they were all characters that we were interested in, but we haven't been there long enough to know people. You know, like it needed to be so fast because the the suspect list was so short. Does that make sense? No. And yet, yeah, exactly. and yet, I but feel it,
1: really bad for the guy that they falsely accuse for some of reason. Like when they started finding fake evidence, I, I started getting a little upset. I'm like, come on, he's a
2: not he's not that bad. I, I think. They had to move quickly because it is the same plot from last season. Like, you can't, like, as much as you want to change it up with different characters and everything, you can't redo a plot exactly the same and draw it out. And that would have made me kind of annoyed if that spilled out into another episode. So I'm glad they cleared it up quickly. And uh, I'm shocked that Mako didn't realize it himself first, earlier, just because, hey, that happened to me. Hey, guys, come on. He should, you know, feel that firsthand.
1: It's, it's the joy of Legend of Korra versus Avatar The Last Airbender. In Last Airbender, that fight scene and the infiltration of Zao Fu would have been an episode. And then finding the culprit who let them in would have been an episode. And here, right, because right. we only have so many episodes, we, they have to be the same thing. And they have to be moving like hell as quickly as possible. Um, and Bolin has the best. Which is great. Bolin gets such an amazing moment. Uh, when they discover its mm-hmm. Iway, way. I'm just like, I like his whole, I'm in the bathroom shtick. <laughs> like, this big voice. I don't know. And it goes on for like so long. And we last, I think last episode we talked about PJ Byrne, just like doing improv and like making this whole thing work because he has, you know, he is comedic gold. You hire him to just yammer on, um, like a wacko, and this in thing when they discover I Wei, I just thought it was so funny and goes on so long, but it needs to. It's like a family guy joke or something.
3: Do you think David Faustino ever goes home and kicks something because he was supposed to be the male lead of the show and BJ Byrne has <laughs> eclipsed him?
1: <laughs> that might be his whole career in a nutshell. No offense to David Faustino.
3: <laughs> David Faustino kicks things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey,
2: that's the reality show that comes after Cora. <laughs> Cool. I saw him in Entourage recently. That's, that's one thing. Are you watching that sounds about Entourage? Right. That
3: sounds about
2: right. <laughs> I'm kind of watching some of the older episodes. I never really watched What are you it, doing? So Why? Kind of, Is this an anthropological Prepping experiment? Prepping for the movie, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Prepping for the movie. <laughs> Wouldn't want to miss so. any
0: of that essential mythology in the Entourage world. Hey, I mean, it was a, uh, probably, I don't know, I was going to make some sort of Aquaman joke and I couldn't, I couldn't get to it fast enough. I'm sorry. Uh, it's been a long. It's, okay. it's been a long comic book weekend. Uh, I,
3: f- I forgive you. Um, do we want to talk about Varric in this episode? Because he's got these two moments. One, he has this mm-hmm. uh, claptrap airbender detector, right? Is hilarious. And then to the pumice stone scene, um, which I, which I liked. But what are we setting Varric up for? Are we are we setting up to like underestimate him, and then he pulls a bait and switch and has this great magnet
0: breakthrough? Or it's Varric being there and Suyin's uh, sort of weird, mysterious political leanings that makes me think she could be a <laughs> major political force. Because it's like, why would you even like all the stuff that she does is art based? Having Varric there is. He's a war profiteer.
1: So Well, she is tech focused, right? Her husband is building yeah, like a yeah. monorail and stuff. If if a oh man, we are really running with this Sue is evil conspiracy uh, <laughs> on this episode, but you know, if I – don't, I don't know what Zaheer's end goal is, which I really – I, I want to get to that too. I want to talk a little about villains before we wrap this up because I, mm-hmm. I find what they've been doing in this season to be really exciting. Because I still don't know what Zaheer wants or what the Red Lotus is all about or why would you kidnap the Avatar uh, or how this all plays into the theme of the season. Like what is this season about? You know, it tells us it's about change and we've seen that in kind of micro versions in each episode. Each character seems to have to – change themselves to live in this new world um but like clearly Zahir probably wants something to change and if it has to do with the avatar it probably means that he doesn't want an avatar or he doesn't want what the avatar brings to the world and could sue be in mm-hmm. on that could could varic's purpose be technological and to kind of finally abolish this natural gift that the world has in favor of Technology, or I'm, but but Sue has such. I mean, metal bending is part of her. um, But again, she has Mm -hmm. such a slant with like Varrick and the magnets. That magnet suit, I'm just like that. Really, that's like Chekhov's gun in this for me. Yeah, I don't know why. And then it is the
3: monorail. Is the monorail actually a war machine?
1: Right. Why mention the monorail? (laughs) I mean, it's cool to mention the monorail as just like a little detail about, oh, this is a real utopia city. But like when it (laughs) closes up at night, I'm like, do these launch into spaceships and shoot the world and like send you to a new planet? (laughs) Guys, guys,
2: guys. (laughs) It is really. okay. so let me just let me put my foot down. It's the the end of the knowing. Easy. (laughs) It is really still like just go a little too far (laughs) based on the scraps of information we've got. (laughs) Uh, The the cool thing about The monorail, which I think is interesting, is that the monorail is a great example of every failed city. Every city in America that you know sort of has that. It was never a th- It was sort of like this hyped up thing. You could think of the Simpsons episode, right? right. Monorail. monorail, monorail,
0: It's
2: it's a it's a hyped up thing that kind of represents success and progress, but uh, it's it's actually it doesn't really right. Do it's much like a 1950s I think you're
0: ideal.
3: For forgetting about Disneyland, but
0: I I, I also have an alternate <laughs> theory where Sue isn't evil which is that the reason the monorail was brought up is because we also saw the series of Earth Kingdom trains and somehow the Metal Clan yeah. is going to have to save uh, the Earth Kingdom and they're going to have to like, either destroy each other or come together and they'll come <laughs> together and Suyin and will be like, you people bending your trains? That is, <laughs> that is barbaric. And the Earth Queen well, will be like, I want to yeah. eat all your pets.
2: The thing we've seen <laughs> throughout the entire series... Is the balance of technology and bending and making this world one thing? So I don't think it's about you know technology destroying bending. That wouldn't make much sense. But uh, the idea of magnets kind of giving non-benders similar capabilities or an ability to work together with benders in a different way—that would be interesting. Doesn't that and, seem uh, too much like I do book think one? we're gonna we're going
0: That's kind of what book I mean, one was maybe, about. but you, You're building on themes things. here. Yeah, this is all better together on into one big story. Like even I know book one yeah. was supposed to be a mini series, but like they knew that writing the other three books. So I would really like everything to start throwing lines forward and backward. Mm-hmm. So when we have four books of core, it feels like there was always supposed to be four books of core. So I would love mm-hmm. if we go back to let's make let's give non vendors some power in a more serious way, I don't know if that's what the Red Lotus wants to do, but I really hope we do get there again.
2: Well, they didn't really and, solve anything
0: for non-benders either. But go ahead,
2: Jana.
3: Well, okay, so I I, I kind of want to walk it back a little bit. I got excited about thinking about monorails as war machines, but I, I will agree with Devendra not so to spoil, <laughs> not to spoil <laughs> next week's episode or whatever. But I think it's worth looking at the various leaders. That we've seen. And so the whole point is to look at what kind of leader Sue is. And if you want to learn a lesson from this episode is that she's built this utopia, which never works out. And her right hand man was working against her. If she's not evil, also evil, her right hand man was working against her. So that's, that's looking at Sue as a flawed, flawed leader. Um, could be the other Mm -hmm. lesson that we learned from this episode. That being said, the metal pods of the city look like a lotus, so I'm done. All right, I'm done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, that's Illuminati stuff. That's the dollar bill, like, conspiracy right there. Um, It's interesting that you bring up Sue as a kind of flawed leader. Uh, Just thinking (laughs) about, like, book two. I mean, Unalak is kind of that guy, but President Riko is all kind of screwed up, too. And then book one has... um, Oh my God! Now I'm forgetting his name. Uh, who? Amon's brother. Uh, God, who sits on the Amon? No, oh. not Amon. It's not Unalak. It's oh, uh, it's not Tarlok. It's Tuvok. Or, no, Tar-like? Tuvok
0: is on <laughs> Star Trek. No, not Tarlock. I can't. I'm going to look yeah, this up no. in two seconds. <laughs> Uh, I I was close to getting there, and then he said Tuvok, and then my brain exploded into fifteen other TV series. I'm sorry, patches. It's Tarlock, I think. Yeah, Yeah, Tarlock. That sounds right. Um,
1: He, I I mean, he was he was a noble leader. Did say that? Oh, I did
3: say
1: that, guys. And you said no. It was a fury of K last letter names. I don't know. I'm just really confused right now. (laughs) After I said Tuvok, you're right, Dave. That really threw my whole thing off. Um, But he, again, he was. Righteous in a way, right? He wanted to help the city, and but he he was working on his own. He was working outside the system for his own goals. And I don't know, Sue kind of is that way. I'm I'm siding with DaVinci. I'm trying to mm-hmm. be hopeful here that Sue is and Sue I, is not th- going I, I to that. be evil, and that Tenzin
2: will die. Yeah. Um But. <laughs>
1: Right, I think the, c-
2: the show is too complex to just do something so pat It's like, oh my god, she was evil all along. I think it's going to be more interesting in what you're saying, Joanne. She's ever we're seeing a whole bunch of flawed leaders, and I think that. We're seeing that because this world, they don't know how to lead in this world. This is a world where, you know, the spirit world is out in the open now, taking over the real world, uh, you know, we have bending and technology trying to coexist. Everybody's becoming airbenders. Everything's in flux. Nobody knows how to lead. So I think one of the themes we may see going forward is like this somebody who has a belief system that kind of makes sense for the entire world or for all these changes. And that'll be really interesting to see because clearly the world leaders right now aren't doing a good job.
0: Well, well yeah, I w- and just- have they mm-hmm. Have they ever in either of the series? I mean, th- the last series we spent in the middle of a hundred year war where no one was able to stand up to the Fire Lord. So it's mm-hmm. like, have we? do we have a good leader in this series? I mean, by the time Aang becomes a good leader, he, the series is over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like all our flashbacks that we've sort of seen like... You know, everybody talks about our original team avatars being good, but uh, it seems like their children uh, have very real problems uh, because of you know choices they made while parenting. So, have, do we have do we sure. have an example of a good leader? Tom Rock is a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He had a, he he was okay,
1: and he was like framed for all the bad things he did, right? But I, yeah,
3: I think yeah. I think that. Um, <laughs> It's more in keeping – rather than, you know, secret bad guys, which is which has been a theme of Korra, but it's more in keeping with some of the really interesting themes that you guys pick out to have them hop this season from three different civilizations, four if you want to count Tenzin being the leader, a flawed leader of this air temple, right. Right. having them hop from Republic City to Earth Kingdom to – I don't remember the name of where they are right now, like to Tenzin and seeing how those different approaches – to leading work or don't work, and then maybe how does that reflect back on Korra, who ultimately is supposed to be the, a leader of sorts for she's this whole thing. Yeah. She's
2: a uniter, right? Yeah. So we'll see. So. Maybe a world where the Avatar actually has some say in world politics. Whoa. What? But see, that would yeah. be against, that's not really aligned
1: with the real world that we currently live in, and which I no, think Korra sure, sure. is very reflective
2: of. Maybe I don't think we should, res- we shouldn't you know hold the show to that. Just saying. Well, just, she's supposed to be
3: in the world where, like, she's supposed to be the Dalai Lama? Who is she supposed yeah, to be? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay,
2: okay. And people listen to the Dalai Lama, even though he does, like, speeches for pay. And stuff. Yeah, at you the know, end of the season. People still respect what he's saying.
1: At the end of the season, Cora's going to get on Twitter, and she's going to get, like, eight million Twitter followers, <laughs> and she's just going to tweet really nice things that everyone retweets, just like the Dalai Lama.
3: Her <laughs> hashtags <laughs> are going to be really clever. It's going to be <laughs> <great>. awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I,
1: so, I guess to wrap this episode up, uh, Ai Wei goes out with a bang.
3: Ah,
1: ah, with bomb. like a, a
0: a bomb worthy of Jack Bauer.
1: Yeah, I think I. <laughs> that, this is a very twi- uh, that's I, an insult, right? <laughs> I, in my recap on Screen Crush, I mentioned Twenty Four. There was something very Twenty Four yeah. about how all. Yeah. Well,
2: you were saying Homeland. 20. This feels very Homeland. Yeah, or Twenty Four. Yeah, from the same people.
3: Um. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, yeah. I'm glad that Cora thought fa- that was that was clever,
0: right? To create an air, air dome. Bubble. Yeah. Which is that's happened before I would, that's oh, it's happened before? Okay. I, yeah. Actually, when they cut to the wide explosion, mm-hmm. uh, my first thought was, what is she going to bend to save everybody? Right. I was like, <laughs> well, fire, right? It's the easiest thing. You just move the fire around you. And then I was like, oh, air bubble, that's great. For some reason, I air imagined Air bubble is uh, the
2: reflexive safety thing.
1: Yeah. Yes. I, I imagined... Do you remember in uh, Mars Attacks... We fire a nuke at the at the Martians. Uh, last last move, fire the nuke, oh, yeah. and they have this little like horned thing that sucks up the nuke, and it ex- like fills up like a balloon, and then it like farts it out. That's what I imagined. They they, they,
0: they smoke it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they suck they it up, smoke, and it's like they, hey. yeah, they they smoke it like helium. Oh right, right, right. Oh, that
1: oh is hilarious. God. That movie. So this was a Mars attack homage, is what I'm
2: really. Getting
0: no it was it. not uh, no, wait, no. Uh, but no. in my imagination it was
2: um <laughs> uh, and then if and anything, then... this was totally an attack of the clones, homage guys <laughs> all the way through <laughs> no. straight up to the like Coliseum battle where everybody's like just on their you know doing their own thing. It
1: right? is sad how often we bring up the prequel trilogy when we talk about it: It's Before. just
2: me and I love attack of the clones so, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's so... yeah no, it,
0: was, it was politics. it was politics and fantasy. I, I'm just sad we've stopped bringing up Batman, but I, maybe we'll get there again. There hasn't been that much Batmaning.
1: It's been yeah, Spider Maning, if anything. Um, it's
3: Revenge the Sith that's super lava y, right? That's
2: true. Yeah, like that's what I. Yeah. No true lava With that anyone. horrible rotoscoping? Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> um, it was
1: bad. Kind of to wrap this up, I, I wanted to touch on villains, and on, I'm going back full circle here because I started this conversation by telling Davenger that this was his moment to finally. Zaheer is putting himself into. Korra's life in a, in a direct way for the first time. I've been really appreciative of these kind of parallel lines that this season has been drawing. Korra's kind of just been doing her thing, and zahir has been doing his thing. And I'm curious about your guys' thoughts on villains in television, in movies, in pop culture, just about how, like, they can often overshadow heroes and, and um when when you have a great villain, it becomes less of the hero's story, uh, and I don't think this season has suffered from that. And last season, I, I feel like Korra has gone out of its way to avoid. ...having this problem, which I, I call the Dark Knight problem, because while I, the Dark Knight is a great movie...
0: here we go, Batman. And, and like Joker, it. And Joker,
1: yeah, this is what nice. you wanted, right? Uh, so yeah. the Joker is a, an amazing villain. Heath Ledger's Joker, iconic from, like, minute one. Um, but is it a great Batman movie? It's not, in my opinion. Like, it loses its focus because this power this powerhouse performance is just too good. It doesn't care about Batman anymore, and then when it tries to at the end of the movie kind of flops. I mean, it doesn't really work. And I feel like Korra, the show, has has approached this with that in mind. Like, Amon is a great villain, because he's he's everywhere. Everywhere Korra turns, Amon in some way, if it's a poster, or it's his influence, or it's Amon himself standing over her in the shadows, is there, but never, like, never right in her face, cackling. Like, it's chaos. And then book two ends up overcompensating. Like, it really doesn't want unalak to become the joker he's he's too rigid for that right he, he has too much of a plan mm-hmm. uh he wants to be all powerful um but it has so much other plot to dump in there because it doesn't want him to they don't want him to like twist his mustache because he's not super evil uh and then book three i think is the most successful where we really get to know we've gotten to know zaheer he is a good villain. We know – we mm-hmm. and, but we don't know everything. And that's what's really surprising to me, that we can get into his story so much without letting it all out.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a good compromise, to like having the major – like, you know, Amon was out to pretty much destroy Republic City, right? And uh, – I think was trying to uh, to take over the world to a certain extent like it was we these are smaller scale villains but I think what they mean is really is much deeper what I really like about the villain of the show though is that uh, did you guys read that uh, article by Javier Grigio Mark's watch about the operational themes in TV shows. Um, A signed reading. Okay, okay, come on. Okay, guys, uh, this is a signed reading to all of you and to our listeners because, well, you guys write about TV and stuff too. But but he, this guy, (laughs) he is a writer on The Lost. He he started The Middleman. He's been on a whole bunch of shows lately. um, And he's on Helix right now. But he's one of my favorite writers uh, among TV shows. And he wrote this great piece called Finding the Next Lost. What is an operational theme and why don't I have one? And it was basically about how – the best shows to him have this overriding theme, this overarching theme that kind of informs everything that people do. So you can think of Breaking Bad. You could even think of Lost earlier on, not later. Uh, But, you know, for Breaking Bad, right, everything um, Walt did was for his family or was in response to, like, not getting enough in his life. And every single thing he did kind of informed that and that kind of drove the show forward. And I think Korra has been really good about that, but also really good about getting the villains kind of in line with an operational theme for every season too. So we had the first season with Amon where we were just getting introduced to this world. Last season was more about, you know, finding a way to balance the spiritual and real world. And now it's, I think now it's more about um, them trying to find some sort of balance with this, with the fact that everything is changing in this world. So long, long speech,
0: but go read that article. It sounds super interesting. It's I've, amazing. You guys, I, I'm will, surprised will it, was it getting linked City every day. Yeah, it's on
3: apexmagazine.com. Yes,
2: Apex so. Magazine. Also, this guy started, if for anyone interested in TV writing, Javier grigio marx started a great podcast called The Children of Tendu, which he does with Jose Melita. And it's interesting for a couple of reasons because, first of all, they're like, I think, the uh, two of the only like Puerto Rican TV writers out there right now. So they have a really interesting perspective. But it's also a great textbook for just like how your shows are made so go read that you know once core is done
0: or go listen to that show nice that's awesome i guess in response to patches his question i would say that uh, this season what's worked for me really well is sort of a trope that a lot of tv series uses with their villains that are going to be like season-long villains which is like Mm -hmm. they're out there like, we didn't see them come in contact with Kor until now. But, like, uh, especially back in the old days of, you know, 24 episode network runs, you would sort of, like, establish your main villain and then send them off to do something so our characters could have, you know, little mini story arcs. And Akor has done a really good job of like checking in and having this idea. That they're just out there, like, oh, you want to kidnap the president? Be like, nah, I'm gonna think I find the avatar. Could kidnap the president, but that's not important to me right now. <laughs> I'm just everywhere until I'm exactly in front of the avatar. So it's, uh, I, I love the way that they've used that trope, and I think that it's much better than the sort of like slowly revealing. The villain like they did uh, with Unaloc last season because that left us in a power escalation point where the only place it could go was giant spirits fighting right, in Republic right. City Bay, which is was cool, but you can't do that all the time. Right. You can't. It's not have that, that fulfilling.
1: Yeah even though it's crazy and gigantic and and epic right uh, it's just not it can't be that fulfilling it's not as fulfilling as someone with really strong motives or someone who seems to have their plan all together and but I like that Zahir's plan seems to be going awry like he has Uh problems and uh the red lotus the adventures of the red lotus is like its own avatar the last airbender show they keep going (laughs) to different spots like you could have an entire show of just them rambling across the land i want to see the web series of that i mean that would be so much fun well we've seen a little (laughs) bit right they have to escape from republic city is like a c plot or 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 zaheer runs into kaya and has a big fight like that's a lot of fun and it seems to have a comic
2: series something Everything you guys were saying, by the way, it just makes me wish they did, like, uh, a a small comic series or, like, a graphic novel or something that was just all about, you know... as a hero and his rise, like whatever happened. And we wouldn't know he's the villain of the next season until the end of the book or something. That would have been cool.
0: Yes, oh. I think that this is a good pivot point to talk about mm-hmm. how we might have once got that when we were a popular Nickelodeon TV show. But mm-hmm. now I don't think our hopes for spinoff properties and web games and other experiences <sighs> are going to rise. Because, hey guys, Legend of Korra is not going to be on TV anymore. Now, wait a second. I've had some serious... I mean,
1: we've had time to... to Meditate on this move. And while I think a lot of people are worried because it looked like a form of cancellation, uh, I, it might actually be next level programming that Nickelodeon is, I mean, it's, it's, it's screwed up. It's screwed up to see this happen in the middle of a season. Um,
2: yeah, during Comic-Con, by the way, yeah. what?
1: Yeah, when everyone can blame you. And and,
3: and then they had you. to go do a Quora panel.
2: Yeah, I, that's, the that sounds Come excruciating.
1: On. Like, I feel yeah. so bad for, for Brian and Mike and all the yeah. people on the panel. Like, that is just not something they should have to deal with. Um, but if this, if book three had gone completely digital, we would not have blinked, right? I think we would have been like, they're trying something that's more mature than Nickelodeon, Cora, and this is straight from um, Mike's mouth, I believe. On he did a Facebook post, or maybe it's Brian, I can't remember. But like, we're talking about Cora, which is not—it's barely a Nickelodeon show. It's only a Nickelodeon <laughs> show because it's on Nickelodeon, um, right. and it deserves. I mean, it could be a K, it could be an HBO show, it could be a Netflix show, um, and now Nick.com wants it to be a Nick.com show that it can be. I mean, this is a is, it's. It's a show that has such a strong life on Twitter and Tumblr as, as we are evidence of Cora's uh, of power online and what that really means for the future. Can this show thrive online only? And I think, yes, this is what needed to happen with Cora because of how insane other fan sites are with grabbing streaming links and diverting right. views away from actual airing. People don't watch it on Nickelodeon like some people do, but no one is turning it, tuning in to these actual episodes airing on Friday nights. Admittedly, that is a bad time. That was a mistake yeah. on their part to try and make it a primetime show in a slot that had free space. You know, everyone else watches network television during the week, so it had to be on a Friday, but that doesn't make sense. It should be on a Saturday, but if it's on a Saturday morning, you're with goofy Saturday morning cartoons and you're underappreciating What's being crafted here?
0: Well, they, it wasn't a Saturday morning until they ended their first season by blowing what's up their I'm antagonist saying? in a brother suicide. <laughs> that's Saturday. That's Saturday morning for you. Hey, you know what? X Men: The Animated
1: Series had some pretty deranged stuff. Yeah, Batman it, did. it did. was was crazy. And well, the was that, a Saturday that morning. Batman
2: was prime time initially. What? Well,
0: that yeah, yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. yes, guys, come on,
0: that's true. But and then you X-Men, remember this. X Men were also talking about Fox and Fox. Batman: Batman The Animated yes. Series yeah. is
2: prime time.
0: Yeah. When, oh where, my God, yes. Yeah. Where did it air? I it used started to watch it
2: out as a primetime. That was the whole deal. It was a mature.
3: I don't know what you're talking I know. About.
2: It reruns or whatever, but I'm saying it started airing time. back in uh, the 1920s when Devendra was a young man. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, like, guys, you gotta, it's about the context, right? So they tried Batman. It was actually really successful for prime time, but then it started getting played everywhere else. And then when it moved over to WB, then it was like, you know, your afternoon after school show. Right. Although Batman Beyond still managed to do a lot of great stuff after school.
1: Yeah, so that's the thing. I mean, people don't... Mm -hmm. Nick doesn't know how to handle Korra because it is not Avatar The Last Airbender, which is skews towards younger kids, even though by the end it was still as insane and mature as anything Korra's dishing out, I think. Um, But how do you handle this show? Uh, And and how do you combat the fandom? which is the unfortunate part of this. I mean, the leaks.
0: That, that has to happen, that there has to be a combat, because yeah. we, we might have accidentally killed the series by watching <laughs> Spanish language leaks. Yes, and well, that's
1: clearly part of the problem this season and the bungled release. Um, but why switch to digital? Because after every single episode, 18,000 people get on Tumblr and are like, stream the episode from my link, stream it from my link, and the torrents, right, right. and it's just a fury of, of ways to watch the show without helping the show thrive in a business model and so you have to put it on nick.com and they wanted to after these leaks you know they didn't they took everything off itunes you couldn't watch episodes right away online they wanted to force as many people to watch this on friday night as possible which is insane, that's that's not acknowledging yeah. the power of the internet, that's really not getting the audience at all, and this move is swinging the pendulum in a different direction. Instead of trying to contain this problem and focus people to Friday night, it's like it, this has to go online so that it people can watch the show the way that they're already watching the show but legally and to actually serve like watch an ad on nick.com and make money uh so i at first when i heard this announcement i'm like it's over there will never get any more avatar stories book four is the (laughs) end like just close up shop we're done here um i'm a little
0: i'm a little less it's over at nickelodeon it's over at nickelodeon yeah. yeah we're seeing
2: shows can get other lives elsewhere now although yahoo i don't know how long they're gonna keep buying up dead shows but we'll see. Well, I mean, is it over a...
1: at Nick? Because if they... this has a strong debut online, if
0: people stream it on Nick, there's absolutely no reason why they wouldn't produce. I mean, for, a I don't think series. that's ever happened. They're not. Gonna, that's the thing. They're not going to buy another, a new Avatar series after Book Four, right? And, this, and then exclusively air it on like why? Because the, okay, the amount of money it takes to do like a hand drawn, foreign animated, keyframe animation is something that is only balanced off by being able to broadcast it on television. But if it's done with (laughs) Amazon Prime, a place that's
1: producing its own content right now and has a very strong... Section of kid content they're creating. They're, I mean Netflix doesn't even do this really. They have but turbo, but,
0: Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then you're talking about Amazon or Yahoo, which are companies that are worth billions of dollars. Where it's like it's half of one percent if they want to pick up. You know, like picking up Community for two million dollars an episode is not going to even make a blip on all the money Yahoo spends on shoving their advertising but everywhere. That's the thing. In the
1: Nick <laughs> could co-produce Future Avatar with Amazon Prime
0: why
2: wouldn't i n- mean so need to be- let me let me let me just just to take this all a step back right cuz the amazon shows are really cheaply made they are not like expensive uh, good looking shows they look a little step down netflix the the interesting thing about netflix with uh, house of cards and or- orange is the new black they actually look like you know they have TV, like premium TV level production. I values. Would disagree with you on the orange yeah. is a new black. Uh, well, what I mean, they look a lot better. They look like TV shows, yeah. right? Orange, you could put Orange is the New Black up against a lot of TV shows. Maybe it looks a little grittier, but I think that's the style of the show. You're, you're um, saying like House yeah. of Cards versus Alpha House, like put, right? Two TV shows back. put those together, Amazon shows look cheap. It's just, I think the ultimate thing I'm saying though is I, I don't think we've ever seen a show that's been on the company's website just kind of take off because of that and that's the other thing like i'm not sure do we get a reason why they pulled everything off of itunes because i actually really wanted to buy the season i think i think it probably air.
1: has to do with amazon because they're all in on amazon all of okay. avatar is now on amazon it's it used to be on netflix and that got pulled right.
2: so but the new season is that on amazon there. too
1: uh, I think it's going to be on Amazon. I haven't checked, but I think that was you, part of the deal, right? That all these old okay. episodes are going to be on Amazon Prime um, and possibly along with the launch of each episode on Nick.com, they'll be on Amazon Prime. I have not investigated uh, that. And I, I Nick is not being very clear about it despite right. me sending it. I
0: don't it know videos. how much the <laughs> Apple-Microsoft war still goes on, but I did notice that Nucor is going to be on Xbox, so... <laughs> yeah.
2: There is that. I just, I don't understand why the streaming deal for the, uh, you know, for the older Avocora seasons, um, how that affected just being able to buy it on iTunes. That's always been a separate thing. So this whole negotiation is getting really weird. But I'm just saying, I don't. I can see why they decide to go web only. We just have never seen a show that's been entirely successful by being web only on the company's site. Because if they do go web only, then it's like, oh, it's on YouTube, it's on a couple different channels. People can get it in different ways. But sending people straight to the company's site, especially when Nickelodeon doesn't have like any sort of like TV apps, like it doesn't have like its own HBO Go or something, which is how a lot of kids are going to want to see this thing. I'm shocked that Nintendo has no strategy. By the way, for streaming their stuff to TVs. That's ridiculous. And that speaks to the bigger
0: problems going Nickelodeon. on in that company. Yeah. And Nintendo, too, but Nickelodeon. Man, yeah, those really two. Yeah, Nick, off. sorry. Nick. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's a weird business thing. And I can't help but just feel bad by, like, um, I feel like the fandom, like, grabbed a baby bird too hard <laughs> and kind of killed it. And, but I, would, I mean, I would. Yeah, you blame the fans. The good news is that the good news is that we all watched it on TV on Saturday enough that they bought Three seasons at once, yeah. so yeah. The, it's not going to go down. But if it does get bought out for something that wants to lower its budget, it's going to have to change styles. It's going to look more like Republic City Hustle than it is going to look like Avatar: The Last Airbender. No, please don't say that. Stop that. Mm. Well, I, I mean, this, this this stuff is expensive. These are these are hundreds of people who are drawing every pose and uh, that's putting he a, a lot of
1: release. Book four is a move as a series of Futurama like movies, but
0: yeah, I want book four four to come I want to book four to come in like four. DVDs there that go to VOD, and then I could buy it and then fund them their Kickstarter to take it to you know something else that's going to give it a budget. I would not, I the, think the, the saddest drama thing movies is like were bad,
2: yeah. Well, I think some of them were, but the strategy was interesting, like that's what I'm looking at. Um, but I think it's really sad when we want to give these companies money. Like, I want to buy you on iTunes, why right. can I buy you on iTunes? I vague licensing reasons shut up and and take my money shut up and take my money like that's 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 a basic business (laughs) that's the thing about (laughs)
1: blaming fandom you you mentioned right right. Avenger that is this all on fans this is this is Auroboros you know this is (laughs) this is fans destroying Nick's business model and Nick back like lashing them um in, in different ways, like they're they're killing each other, then they need to be but a symbiotic relationship. But Nick didn't know what it
2: wanted to do. I, I, I think it does start, too, from Nick's own confusion from like, you know. They've never had things things like a show like this.
1: They've never had a show yeah. that people – I remember the first time I reached out to Nick to be like, can I interview people? Like I want to cover this show because it's really important. Um, and it's really great. And they're like, we interviews? or you know, yeah. Like, wait, you, there's press people? We should get a PR person. No, um, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but it was, certainly was like we've never handled a show with this kind of fandom surrounding it. Even Avatar The Last Airbender, I think it kind of grew uh, as, as time went on. And the internet was not as ferocious when Avatar The Last Airbender mm-hmm. was on. It's only now that it's kind of thrived on Tumblr and, and Twitter and Facebook that mm-hmm. – um, that's built to the craze surrounding Cora and Nick. I mean, they're feeding off each other. People steal the episodes and try and watch it any way they can or put episodes online so that everyone can watch it and talk about them. Uh, it's funny to see people, fans of the show, message us and be like, have you seen this person on Twitter sharing these? Like, what can you do? Should we tell Nick? And I'm like, I, there's nothing I can do. I can't stop these people and you can like report them for spam on twitter or like send them yeah. to tumblr and try and have them shut down but like it's impossible to stop the the release of these episodes illegally uh, because people are just going to do it so nick has to and nick just did not know how to handle it until now which is too late probably but
0: mm-hmm. hey joanna <laughs> yeah yeah isn't it interesting that this is like the exact opposite of Game of Thrones where they're like we're the most pirated thing ever, go everybody <laughs> yeah, why does uh, that work? because it's cause, HBO Cause big it's broader HBO. audience, yeah yeah. anyway, I'm happy you didn't die and I thought maybe we put you to sleep <laughs> no, 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 no. I, was,
3: I was listening, I just don't have the knowledge or Courtney, Joanna <laughs> maybe just watches a, the TV that's true <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that this morning that I'm I don't know. Just put the TV in welcome. front of me.
1: Show me my stories.
3: Yeah. Or whatever. put it on my computer, that's fine too, whatever. I'll watch um, it. No, but I think it would be a shame if if the if the like the Univision uh Univision leaks or like whatever it is that happened this year led to this downfall but the programming was screwy last year. Definitely. So yeah. you never knew when you know, the episodes were going to be on. Exactly. So the so the screwy programming I think has really helped kill it along with like some, you know, animation faltering last year, some storytelling faltering last year, that sort of thing. But like plenty of shows rebound from a second season but they weren't even given a chance this year. Yeah. <laughs> um with with the leaks and everything that happened. So I, I you know, I don't know all the economic or ratings reasons why they would move it on move a show online it seems silly not to at least burn the episodes off on air which is what nbc will do with even their most hated sitcoms i think it's Um, it's because of
1: of illegal streams it's because as soon as the episode airs it's online but in a place that people don't have there are no ads
3: yeah, no yeah, one's it, like illegally streaming
0: camp or well, whatever. Also, it's. and SpongeBob isn't <laughs> laughing over our dramatic scenes like he was when Lynn got her bending <laughs> taken away, which I will oh, never forgive man. Nickelodeon for. It's oh, true.
3: I mean, me it's true that watching, because I do end up watching Cora on, you know, I DVR it off of Nick, <laughs> and I do end up watching it, and the commercials just take you out of it. And I'm sure, what, you know, if when it streams on Nick.com, there will still be Nick commercials on there. But, you um, know, It actually almost seems like the wrong fit, the wrong network for this show to be on, and um, I don't know. We
1: we should end on a on a happier note here. Yeah, let's let's. let's, Is there anything little from this episode that you would? Yes, I'm ready. You laugh. Oh, Joanna has this answer. She was cooking it up during our rambling about technology and business models. (laughs) Joanna, what, what 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 did it for you in this
3: episode? I mean, Dave knows. Dave, do you know?
1: Is it
0: Pabu's lassie moment? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn you.
3: <laughs> it's Bolin uh snoring the word kale.
0: Uh, I love kale.
3: Oh. I'm I'm a big kale fan, so all the kale mentions in this episode felt like they were meant <laughs> for me. So
0: I'm gonna take Pabu's lassie moment then. I saw that coming. I was
2: I was gonna mention that, but you know what? I'll take the entire Freaking amazing action sequence! Which I love how quickly it escalated. I love how far it got, and I love how it got to the point where they were repelling from the ceiling like it was no thing. It was just awesome.
1: And what am I going to go with? Oh, I have two things. One, I'm like obsessed with Iway's nose chain. As (laughs) before the podcast, we were talking about this, and we were trying to do research about like where
2: somebody needs to watch 300 again. I know, no,
1: I definitely do not need to watch the Persian army. I'm just I'm fascinated. I don't think it has any real cultural meaning. Uh someone out there please explain the nose chain to me. I mean, I know it's prevalent in in indian culture um and Iway seems to
2: it's be it's just a thing not everything I'm foreign has it. to have a deeper meaning no so. i know
1: i just it's I'm cool just, it's <laughs> well clearly the punk crowd i'm just, I'm just it. that out it's a thing i know i just know that's i was looking <laughs> if it had cultural meaning it doesn't seem to and that's perfectly reasonable um oh yeah. god and what was the other thing oh i really liked the old-timey radios they used to Talk to each other during the big battle when uh That didn't bit, work. Yeah, I mean there was miscommunication, <laughs> true. But no we are, are no votes. go. Yeah, yeah. go? Old timey <laughs> walkie talkies. I just yeah, we are no go. Go, go, go. <laughs> Old timey
2: walkie talkies. Those are the things from like a warfield. Yeah. A little convenient. Um <laughs> uh,
1: I should also mention that uh, along with uh, liking Billy the Blue Ranger, the monorail is probably my favorite ride at an amusement park. <laughs>
0: I that do. is not a ride. It is a ride. You get to no tour way. the whole you no. get to tour the whole park and it's uh, you slow and nice. Mechanism. You must yeah. feel really bad that you telecommute then because there are these things called subways that I bet you'd really <laughs> enjoy
1: I do like when they go above ground in New York, which is
0: not That's often true. enough. It's a, it's a well, nice street. So you just like being high up. So okay, if we were if there was like a Times Square attack and I was like, "Matt, drop in from the top of New York." <laughs> How long do you think it would take you to get to the top of the city? <laughs> I would. I, I see. That scares me. That's too high. I would. I, I. I've
1: always wanted to go uh, parachuting or whatever it's called, skydiving. Uh, but that would scare me. Monorails uh, is just the right amount of off right, the ground. Yes, Perfect. Full circle. I Love it. There are uh, new
2: roller coasters in Coney Island now, Matt. You should check those out. I, yeah. I,
1: I just wish the High Line here in New York was still a thing. That that's it's just a thing. the right it's if, but no, Just but the highline train. Anyway, I'm way off course here. Uh, the, I think that about wraps things up on this. We, we got a lot out of the terror within. This is like longer than any of our double episode episodes. I'm I'm <laughs> impressed with us. Um, and we didn't even talk about Comic Con, which I don't think a lot of things even happened there. Uh, and some of the things maybe we'll get there later. Actually,
0: we want we want your audio of the cast singing Secret Tunnel. Oh my God! I would yeah. I need that audio immediately. Please do pirate that, despite what we've been saying about pirating things. <laughs>
1: That's for the greater good. No one no one gets anything out of that besides fans. Uh anyway, why don't we tell people where they can
2: find us on the internet and get out of here? Uh Davindra? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Davindra. I write about techadventurebeat.com, including like things like business
0: models for media companies, and I podcast about movies and TV at slashfilm.com. dot com. Dave? I'm Dave Gonzalez, the first part da 7 e That's also my Twitter handle. I write about superhero movie news and Star Wars on Latino-review.com. I'm doing a podcast called Fighting in the War Room at Fightinginthewarroom.com. And next week, I will be inhabited by the spirit and voice of Joanna, but from my body. But you won't get to see that. It's a podcast. Whoa.
3: <laughs> so Sounds, confusing. That's... <laughs>
0: gonna need a chart so weird
3: Uh, that's upsetting
0: (laughs) you ever seen the movie face off it's like that face i'm i'm nick cage
3: i'm caster or polish
0: (laughs) i'm getting really confused
1: and i'm on this Uh, podcast so i'm not i'm really i don't know what to expect uh joanna Or Dave, um, or can, whoever you are.
3: Yeah, all right. You can find me most days on VanityFair.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. I do a TV-centric podcast called The Station Agents. I will be subbing for Dave on Fighting in the War Room, I believe, for the month of August. So you can find me over there talking about film, etc.
1: And I am Matt Patches. I write all over the place on the internet and put everything on mattpatches.com, which is my Tumblr. And I'm, I'm recapping Cora this season at screencrush.com. So read those. Uh, and, yes, I do a podcast with Joanna slash Dave, whoever's on at that. I'm, the, I'm just a co-host. I'm just there to, like, talk. Uh, <laughs> fighting in the War Room. com. And until next week, farewell.